she, uh, she's probably got Philippians 4, 8, but that's okay. We'll get there later. Mark eleven twenty four. You know, someone made a statement one time, says, you know, we know that. No, you never know that. I know that may sound funny, doesn't it? You never know it. That's like saying, I ate that. Yeah, you ate that, but you might need to ate that some more. So um, one of the things that Lisa and I have noticed lately, and we've been working with people a lot, and, and that's getting prayers answered. And sometimes when you're watching people, you start watching and you go, I see, I see where people are missing this. And sometimes it's not what you think. So Jesus makes a statement, and so the sermon tonight is called, Think About What You Think About. And the last couple of Wednesday nights, we've talked about prayer, and we've talked about faith as a substance of what you hope for, and we've talked about hope. Now, let me start off by talking, let me, let me kind of share something with you. It has only been in the last five years that preachers have had kind of the nerve to talk about your imagination. There's kind of a scary thing to talk about your imagination. We're not talking about a fantasy. We're talking about faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. And where people are missing it is hope. It's not, they're not really missing it in the area of faith. And why I say that is that a lot of times when you, when you are talking to someone and you ask them, what are you praying about? And they give you scriptures and you look at their face. You look at what they're thinking about. They're consumed with the problem. And I'm not, I'm not being critical of that. Because we're not, I don't, I don't want you to say, well, well, pastor's preaching us that it's wrong to have problems. Well, you have problems. It's wrong to let your problems dictate what you think about them. Don't let them consume your mind. Because uh, Joyce Myers wrote a book, Where the Mind Goes, the Man Follows. Andrew Womack wrote the book, um... Uh, on the imagination, don't limit God. And he talked in there about how God, how he, listen to his statement. The Lord told him, you're limiting me, talking to Andrew, by your, your imagination. You're, li you're limiting me because you're afraid to think and imagine and plan bigger than you are. And so it's hard, it's, it, it, and, and Christians really don't get that God needs your prayer life, but he doesn't need an excessive prayer life when I'm talking about the prayer of faith now. What he needs is faith, the word, that is the substance of what you're hoping for, or I'm going to say what you're dreaming about. So, so often people play it safe because they stop dreaming. What I mean by that is this. We get in a rut 
You, you get up on Monday, you go to work, and you come home, and by, you're looking for Friday, and Friday comes, and you, my God, I'm about to go crazy and go on to the beach. You come to church, you hear a sermon on prayer, and, and your whole life is consumed with normal stuff, and nothing changes. So the definition of a grave, of a rut, is a grave with the ends kicked out. And, and you see this in people, and you realize they're not going anywhere. They're, they're praying, but they have no hope. How am I doing? And I want you all to understand that every time the Holy Spirit starts moving on you, He's going to talk to you in dreams and visions. And I don't mean that you're going to dream a dream when you go to sleep at night and you're going to go, I woke up and the Lord gave me a dream. Sometimes that happens, but that's not what I mean. That's not what the Bible talks about when it says dreams and visions. It's talking about the fact that God will place a dream in your heart. And or he'll give you a vision of something different than it is. Let me give you an example of this. When I started pastoring, the dream in my heart has been for you to know the Bible. You said, that's it. That's it. We grow Christians. I grow Christians. I don't, I don't have this <gasps> change the world. Now, now um, Kenneth Hagin started Rhema. He, was, he said he only wanted 50 students. And Norval prophesied thousands. He said, oh, no, 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 no. Campus started growing and the vision increased to, to preach faith all over the world. Now, you heard Kenneth Copeland say, the Lord gave me a vision to be on every available voice. And you heard him say that. Those are, those are things the Lord impregnates you with, if I can use that. Puts it in your heart. It's something you see. With, with, your, with your mind, your soul, your heart, however you want to say it. It's, and it's something that causes you to wake up in the morning and, and life is, you're like, well, i got to get this done. And if you don't have that, you, you need to spend time with God until you know why you're here. Now, now I don't want to make you, I don't want to turn, sound super spiritual. Maybe all he's going to give you is mature. Or maybe he won't give you much, but some other man's vision for a while. So you just have to go, well, wait a minute, I didn't get anything. Well, you know, the us that went to Ramah, we really were given Kenneth E. Hagin's vision. The vision God gave to Kenneth Hagin, he called us supernaturally to a school to take his vision, the head of the church's vision, to the world. Go, go teach my people faith and about the Holy Spirit. So, so we do that. We do it, and, and that's called faith and word churches, or the charismatic renewal began with people like Kenneth Hagin, where people came out of denominational churches. Baptists were getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Episcopalians filled with the Holy Ghost. Catholics filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and, a, and a movement started in America and the world that, that went around the world. And that was started with a man that had a vision. And that's what that means, okay? So when it talks about dreams and vision, now look at Mark eleven twenty four, and let's look at this. Therefore, now would you do that in King James up there? And, and Shantae, I didn't ask you to do that, but do that for me. 
Not my fault. Just, just take your time. Therefore, I say, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. Now, I want you to see it in King James. And it says, whatever you desire. Now, that's, that's a powerful word. As a matter of fact, I believe Satan will go after the dream as fast as he'll go after the word. Because if he can get you to abort your dream or abort the vision or abort your personal desires, and I'm going to tell you how he does it. He gets you involved in all kinds of problems. And then, and I mean, I'm going to say something, and y'all just hold, hold tight with me. It's amazing to me how many people walk in this church on fire for God, and they hit a wall or a problem, and they come to me and say, I have to quit working in the church. I have a problem. Wait a minute. You aborted the vision of God because Satan gave you trouble. Don't do that. Did Paul do that? I'm going to ask you one. Did Paul do that? Did he have trouble? Did he stop obeying God? What, what do you think? See, all that is is you're telling me Satan was successful. And a lot of people have stopped obeying God because of something that happened to them. They gave up the dream. You remember Dr. King made a statement, I have a dream. And, and that's, you know, you understand that's a big deal for any man to say, I have a dream. Because those things drive us. And when the dream is gone, the drive is gone. And that's what happens to a lot of Christians. The drive is gone. So Jesus, so have y'all got that in King James yet? All right, look at it. It says, therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire. Now, that's a powerful word. Because he didn't say anything about God's desire. We've almost been afraid to have a desire. What if it's not God? I mean, and Jesus didn't say anything about God's desire. What do you desire? So I wrote this down. Um, I think I wrote it down. Uh, I did somewhere. Always desire what God desires and desire it for the same reason he desires it and the Holy Spirit will work within you to achieve what you want. What does God want? Do you, is that, are you wanting what he wants? And we're going to get into a little bit of, of, uh, of another area. So go to 1 Timothy 6, 17 and let's talk for just a few minutes about money. One of the things younger people especially are interested in Will God help me financially? You know, nobody wants to be broke. Y- y'all, are, y'all are so excited to preach for. I, I, I swear I'm in Wisconsin. Kids leave church because they want to be successful. And they've, and they've, never, they've never heard in church you can be successful. Seek first the kingdom of God. They heard in church, man, you better watch, you better watch all this desiring stuff. You get yourself in, into lust. Get yourself into, 
into envy, you get yourself into all kind of trouble. So the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Who do you make it for? We made it for you. Made it for you and I. Now look at this scripture right here. Command those that are rich in this present world not to have any money. Not to be haughty. Don't trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all, say, things, things to enjoy. When, when did it become wrong to have things? There's nothing wrong with having things. It, you're not, you're not going to dim heaven because you have a nice car. But, but I will tell you all this. You, you will catch more flack talking about money in church than any other subject. Because people will swear, you're after my money. Well, I'm not after your money. I got my own. I want you to have some money, but I want you to start believing God. I want young people to start realizing it's, it's, you don't have to be a pimp to have a Cadillac. See, right now today, when, when I bought a new truck, and I'm a construction worker, they asked me, are you running drugs? I said, no, I'm tithing. And they went, ah. They don't believe God could make you rich, made Abraham rich. And, and, and when you preach it, and I, I went online one day, and there's all these articles on the, the 10 richest preachers in America. Who gives a rip? There's nothing in there about the 10 richest businessmen. There's nothing in there about the 10 richest prostitutes or, or politicians or mafia. There's no, it's always some preacher. Because Satan doesn't want you having any money. He wants to own the money. Because whoever has the money runs the world. And you don't want no Christian having no money. Now, I'm going to tell a story. We have in our neighborhood around us a group of people who have lakefront property. Lisa and I don't have lakefront property. Ask me if they treat us different. Absolutely. So, so here's my question for you. Why does a man that owns a beer joint and a honky-tonk have a three-quarter million-dollar house right. and the preacher don't? Amen. Because you'd raise hell if I did. No. Why, God, you got that big a house now. What are you doing with my tithe? <laughs> I mean, you get in here and just start talking about money a little bit more than an offering. You, I mean, I've had people get up and leave the church. You're talking about money. Benny Hinn got an airplane. Good God, I heard, I, you have no idea all the crap I heard. I mean, guest speakers would come to this church, not Rhema guys. You never heard a Rhema guy complaining about, or a Karis guy. You never heard any of these guys complaining about. But all the other guys, Benny Hinn ain't have no business in a jet. Benny Hinn ain't no business with a jet. I'm going to slap you upside you. He's preaching the gospel, you idiot. What in the world are you? He's out getting people saved. 
And he doesn't need to be in some airport for eight hours and lay over and miss a crusade because he can't get in there and preach the gospel. <laughs> because he's sitting next to a drunk. And he gets up and he's wore out. And he can't, get, he can't even do his job. If anybody, he needs a jet more than anybody on the planet needs a jet. But yet, this whole money thing has gotten nuts. And I think it was Andrew that made a statement. He, says, I, he said, you have not been persecuted until you get some money. And I told you about the time that Lisa and I lived out on Effie Drive. And I, I mean, and, and Lisa bought a horse. And the God, this was a $15,000 horse. And the lady sold it to Lisa for a thousand bucks. She just liked Lisa. And the sire of this horse was quarter horse champion of the world. And she lived in West Palm Beach and it was her baby. And she wanted Lisa to have her baby. And so Lisa bought the horse. God blessed her with a horse. Well, we had a parishioner come over. What's it cost you to feed that horse? That's exactly what I said. And I didn't say it in love. Now, I'm kinder now. I'm nicer now than I used to be. I said, it's none of your dang business. You, 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 I mean, good God Almighty, talking about money. So young people have gotten to the place where when you start talking about God will give you the desires of your heart and give you, and, and, and it's okay to want stuff. And people lose it. Where do you think, where do you think the desire for bling bling came from? Do you think God has dimmed the streets of heaven? I mean, it's okay to have money when you get to heaven, but don't you dare get none now. Listen to me. The, the church should be the nicest building in the city. Oh, boy, you go to nominations, but see, don't you dare ask no Catholic where they got the money because they ain't answering nothing. They ain't tell you squat. <laughs> tell you to mind your own business. And the Mormons will tell you to mind your own business. But all the Charismatics and the Pentecostal had wooden churches outside the town. All the Baptists had all the brick buildings. And, um, and I mean, just the things you had to do just to get people to give any money just to build a church. And so when, when Brother Hagin started preaching on prosperity, buddy, did he catch it. And he is the pers first person that started preaching that because it takes money, it takes money to get the gospel out. We couldn't get the gospel out. We didn't have the money to get the gospel out. You didn't have money to get on TV. You got to have money to have a TV, uh, a TV camera. You know, when we built this property... The reason this building is small is because we spent all of our money on the retention pond and the, the fire system and all of the outside stuff. We just used what we had left over to, finish, to do the metal building. And I've had so many compliments that we didn't make it too nice. Well, I just didn't have any more money. Listen, I, I, I only paid $125,000 for the six acres. That was God. We only paid $835,000 for this land and building. And we've only owed about $300,000 on it. We don't have that. We don't have that big of a debt. Well, we've got some ideas right now. 
Now, I might need to spend about a month on money just to get you over the fear of having any. See, I got to get you over the fear of having any. Because the moment you get some, you're going to spend it on yourself. You've been without so long, you're going to buy yourself something nice. And then you're going to have a guilty feeling because you're driving up in a Lexus and you're like, oh, yeah, I bought myself a new car. I'm sorry, Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now, you ain't ain't bothering God. He don't give a riff. You got five Lexus. Are you all out there or did you go home? This is not my sermon, but I think I'm doing all right. Now, let's come back to the young people. They, They don't want your stingy God. They don't want your God. They want a life. So I want you to think about this for a minute. You cannot in one hand want nice things, believe for money, and then you believe it's wrong for the preacher to have any. Because if it's wrong for him to have any, then it's, then it's a sin for you to have it. So your heart doesn't know the difference between he's a crook and I'm not. So every time you're tight with him, you screwed yourself. Because your heart can't believe for money, you've already tainted it. It's bad. Right? I mean, I didn't mean to use a word. I should have used shafted yourself or something like that. Are y'all okay? Did you? Until we get over this, this thing, whatever you desire. I mean, you, you can't get any plainer than that. In other words, he's wanting you to go, <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Uh, no, you're not serious. Because uh, I got some stuff I want. And God's like, oh, that, ain't, hey, that ain't bothering me any. Come on, y'all. Um. You know, it's hard. I can't talk about Lisa. She's got a few things she likes. But you know what? She finally decided to go ahead and just add on to the house. You know what? And and we're fixing fixing the house we live up nice. We're fixing it up nice. And and, and if y'all want to hook an agreement with us, we just believe that piece of land from our back porch to the lake is going to sell. Then we'll be in the club. Are y'all okay? When you use the words desire, there's a selfish desire and there's positive, unselfish desires. Um, look at Mark 10, 17. Come on over there. Let's go. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. This is one of the scriptures that helped get me. See, when I got saved, I had... I had a massive poverty mentality. I could believe God for my basic needs, but anything above it, it was real hard for me to believe God if I didn't have to have it. In other words, you got a gun, what do you need two for? 
You got a truck, it runs. What in the world do you need a nice one for? I mean, that one works. Right. I'm going to tell a story right now before I read this. And I, and I hope y'all don't. I know some of y'all know the man I'm talking about. He came in this church and preached on the rich man in hell. And he preached against prosperity. <laughs> in my pulpit. A long time ago. And he had an airplane. And he said, it was a Cessna 182, that's a 235 horsepower, four-seat airplane. And he went from, he lived in Texas, and he preached in Mexico. And he said, I could not justify owning an airplane when people are starving in the world. Well, number one, he isn't God. His job is not to feed the Mexicans. His job is to give them the gospel. But he forgot his job. So at the time, that airplane was worth $100,000, a lot of money. So he took the money and he bought a pickup truck for $30,000. Drove from Texas down to Mexico, took him a week to get down there. Preached for two weeks and drove home. Preaching two weeks, driving two weeks. Not flying one day and preaching 30 and in about four years, all of the airplane money's gone. The trucks are wore out, and his body is beat to death. Yes. What is an airplane? It's a tool. The $100,000 is not the issue. That did not help the Mexicans at all. That's called stupid. And I... I at the time he told me all of this, I'm like, well, that's stupid. I wasn't real popular with him. But, you know, there's times you have to, you have to look at people and go, that's what you're doing and thinking is wrong. Your job is to get them Jesus any way you can. And God has money. Just, just he didn't send you. God can feed all of Mexico if you go preach Jesus to them. But yet he wore himself out. Now, what happened that night? Well, he was just, all the trucks are just rusted in the junkyard as of today. He's probably spent over two or 300000 on trucks. That airplane's worth a quarter of a million dollars now and would have saved his, his life, and he'd still be healthy and preaching and vibrant. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Are you all all right? Because I'm, let's look at this right here in Mark 10. Um, 17, let's begin in 17. Now, when he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt and said, good master, what shall I do that I inherit eternal life? He says, why are you calling me good? No one's good, but God one that's God, you know, the commands. And so he goes through this whole list and, uh, he says, and so he says, one thing you lack verse 21, sell everything you have, give the money to the poor and take up your cross and follow me. Now, what's he saying to this man? Is he telling him that it's wrong to have money? Well, he's telling him it is. Because what's he, he asked him, what do I need to do to have eternal life? What is he trusting in? His money. If you're trusting in your money, you might want to get rid of it for a while. Uh, uh, now, now, listen. I think that there are seasons God will actually ask you to do things that will look like you're going under. 
just to test your heart before he gives you some money. If you, you know, if he can't trust you with money, he ain't going to give you any. All right. So he's telling this guy right here because the Jews, now y'all need to understand this is not an American book. The Jews believed if you're rich, you're righteous, and if you're poor, you're a sinner. The rich man in hell, the reason he told that story, because the, the Jews did not believe a rich person could go to hell. And they didn't believe a beggar went to Abraham's bosom. So he's upsetting the whole Jewish culture with that story. The Americans believe exactly the opposite. You can't go to heaven if you have any money, and you, and you definitely go into heaven if you're broke. So Jesus is confronting his question, what do I need that I have eternal life? He said, we'll take all your money, give it to the poor and follow me. Because he asked a question, good master. He said, do you know who you're talking to? Who, do I, who am I? I mean, do you know who I am? So apparently he didn't. All right. Now let's go down here because he, he really messed up Peter's head. Say Peter's a Jew. And he's a businessman. And apparently he's got some money. And Peter's like, oh, you have, oh, I don't, oh, no, 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 Jesus. Verse 23, and Jesus looked around and said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples were astonished. Now that means they're like, oh, no. I mean, they're like, whoa, no, dude, no, no. They're Jews. These are Jews. Like Goldstein, silversmith, Jews. Get it, guys. Jews believe in money. That's why Hitler put them all in concentration camps because of they because they had the money. They they were the guys with the money. They ran the banks. They run Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're and some of them are wicked as hell. How, now look at verse 24. Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom. Trust, 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 not have. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they were greatly astonished and said among them, well, then who could be saved? <laughs> and Jesus looked at them and said, with men it's impossible. With God all things are possible. And Jesus, Peter looked at him and said, well, listen, we left everything. He followed you. And Jesus answered and said, surely I say to you, there is no one has left a house or a brother or a sister or a father, a mother, a wife, a child, or land for my sake in the Gospels, who shall not receive a hundred times now in this time. Now, now, not now, 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 now. I owned 1.7 acres when I was in Athens, and God said, sell it and go to Ramah. I owned land. I walked away from land. I got an acre now on the lake. And you know what? I mean, it's, it's not, listen, God has blessed me, but you understand I walked away from something to go obey God. I'm not interested in a mansion in heaven now. I'm interested in my house, this one. It's not wrong to dream. Boy, that's, that's where I'm trying to go. But God is not moving if you don't start dreaming. You're the one. Let's, let's say that a woman goes through a divorce. Is it wrong to dream of a marriage? 
No. But if that lady doesn't start dreaming of a husband, and, and she ain't getting one. Dream of a good job. Dream of vacations. Dream about your kids living for God. Dream about going places you enjoy and eating food you like, not because it's on sale. You know, I, I, did, I did this just for me. I did it because of I, I had to buck the poverty mentality. I, and I go in a restaurant, do not give me the 1099 menu. I don't want the 1099. I don't want to eat because it's cheap. And find out it's ostrich. It's not a steak. And then you're sitting there and some Christian goes, that's $21. What does that mean? Hey, moron, you ain't worth it. Don't count, don't shout me down. It, it, now, I didn't say go in debt. I didn't say run your credit card up, buying food you can't afford. But, but I know people who got money in the bank and won't spend it. They don't own anything nice. I know a man and a woman right now still live in the same house they lived in when I got saved. And they paid like $3,000 for it then. And it's still a $3,000 block house with tile floors. And they still drive a 20-year-old a junky car. And they probably got a million dollars. I know people like that. I mean, it's just, and I'm, are y'all all right? Because I'm, I'm, I don't know how I got off on this, the 4th of July. Maybe the fireworks are just hitting. Uh, go to Matthew 22, 39. I, I, you know, everybody's missing this great sermon. Now, you, I'm going to tell you something. I had a poverty mentality. Lisa had a poverty mentality. And where you get it is when you go through hard times, there's times you have to cut back. But you can't come out of that. You got a dream, and you can't stay in the poverty mentality when you finally get some money. Now, you, you've, you've got to start going, well, you know what? I'm tired, of, I'm tired of driving a truck that I have to pray to get it to church. God, cr help me this thing crank in the name of Jesus. No, using, using my faith for that. When I go home, I want the air conditioner to work. I want it working during hurricanes. I got a generator. I got a good one. Propane. When hurricanes happen, I'm going down, I'm going to fire that sucker up and go in there and sit down well, we won't watch TV because the dish, but I got a book. I'm not going to change my life and dip water out of the bathtub and never mind. I know some of y'all are going, what's wrong with that? Well, more power to you, Leroy, you know. 
It's all right. It's all right with me. Matthew twenty two thirty nine. Look at this. Let me read 38. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as who? That's a problem. Because many people, they don't even like their self. When did it become wrong to love yourself? I like the way Catherine is. I do. God made her the way she is. And I'm going to tell you something, she's, she's, she, might, she might be different than other people, but, but I love her the way that she is. I love the way Tony is. I love the way Tony acts. I love the way Tony thinks and walks and talks. I love, Tony's Tony. There's nothing Tony needs to change about Tony. Tony doesn't need to become Shaquille O'Neal and... I'm prophesying over him right now. You just hold on. His wife's not agreeing. That's all right. That's why I'm prophesying over him. I'm just going to ignore all that. And just... Who in the world gave me my personality anyway? Well, let me ask you a real hard question. Is he an idiot? Why do, you, why do I have to be John Osteen or Joel? I don't want to be Joel. I don't want to be Joel. Well, Pastor, you know, you know the way Joel does it. Well, go to Joel's church. I mean, you'd be surprised at how many people, and, and this another one. Well, now John Hagee, well, I'm not Hagee. I'm not Copeland. I sure ain't Jesse. <laughs> what, whatever happened... Whatever, it, let me tell you something. If you don't like you, nobody else is going to like you. I'm doing real good. I got a couple of books here. One of them is by T.L. Osborne. Now look at this. The Power of Positive Desire. That's a big book. This is what he preaches overseas. Because you got people living in abject poverty in India with wealth all around them. And they want to be in nirvana, desirelessness. That's not God. You have meat walking through your house and you're hungry? Not on my watch. I'll kill that thing. I don't care if it is my grandma. I'm going to kill that thing. She died once, she's going to die again. She may come back as a dog, but I'm, I'm going to have. She's going to be T-bone steak and tenderloin. I am eating that thing. I am walking through my house while I ain't got no food. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Jesse. All right. 
But he wrote this book because of that reason. And even American Christians, we've had this, we've had this, this whole don't desire. You could get into lust. I got news. Some of y'all are in there anyway. <laughs> Some of y'all already been down that road. I want to... Oh, uh, let me read this in 24 and 20. Let me, let me sit there. Page 24. See yourself in God's image and realize that you as a person were never created by God to be poor, unhappy, dominated, manipulated, abused, shamed, or walked on. God didn't make you to be that. And you, and you know why you, you know why people do it? You let them. If you're a woman and your husband's whooping on you, don't, don't come ask me what to do. Because you won't like my answer. Throw him out of the house. Or don't, go to Teresa. She's nice. Pack his bags in garbage sack, glad, <laughs> double line so they don't fall out while he's dragging them down the road. And to change the locks, okay, they're mine. You are created in God's class of being to walk and talk and live and reign with him in life. He designed you for abundance. He designed you for nobility. He designed you for his kingdom, and there's nothing can stop or limit you once you discover this principle. But you've got to come back and say, I have desires. Stop condemning yourself, and then you will stop condemning other people. Stop believing in what God created you to be, and start believing in what God's planned for you. Believe in the plan that he has for you. Now listen to this. As you become aware of the facts, and he's talking about this book, You'll decide to stop condemning yourself, your self-destruction. You'll no longer beat yourself down with accusing negative thoughts and confessions. No one has the right to destroy or disparage what God created in his own image and paid so much to redeem and justify. Who are you? Diane Bonilla, a righteous woman of God. Beautiful woman of God. You know what? But we've never been taught it's okay to even have that thought. You know, I'm just so, I'm just, you know, I'm not all that. I am. (laughs) You know what people say? Well, you're arrogant. When did Jesus said it? Was he arrogant? That's, that's not humility. Humility is agreeing with God. He said, I'm righteous. I'm humble. I'm righteous. He said, I'm his workmanship. So he made me like this. I'm trying to help myself. Now, we just don't like it. Well, then go find some wallflower somewhere and have it go to another church. I don't care. You're not, you're not going to pastor people if you can't give them truth. And if you can't handle truth, you're not going to stay very long. 
that's love. I told my kids the truth growing up, and I was a good parent. Are you all out there? Now, that doesn't mean you can be mean. You don't need to be mean to people. But you know what? It's time for preachers in America to get a backbone. They're just the biggest bunch of wallflowers and just wimpy noodles. And they just hand out just pablum and, and, and blue john and, and milk every Sunday and hope someone comes back to see them. Don't shut me down. It starts because they don't have any respect for their own self. All right. All right. I knew that went over real good. So, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I have got 11 and a half minutes with y'all, and then I'll turn you loose, and you can be free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. I'm trying to look at the other one, Desire 10 and 11. I'm trying to find my notes on, on TL. God believes in you. He values you. He esteems you so highly he created you a little lower than, than himself. Then he decked your world with every conceivable treasure and beauty for your health, your happiness, your success, and your fulfillment. I'm on a, when's the last time you slowed down and just looked around you? Earth is great. I, I mean, I, I was the other day, I was watching a cardinal. I know that that's not success to sit and do nothing and watch a bird. I should be doing something. I was doing something. I was waiting on the Lord. I was relaxing. I was looking at a bird. And then I watched the sky and then I watched the sunset and, and I just thought, you are so awesome, God. I just love you. You are so awesome. And it cooled down, and I thanked him for that. And the mosquitoes came out, and I stopped thanking God. <laughs> and I went in the house. <laughs> he wrote this. If you must continue to cower and to suffer and accept inferiority and to live in self-reproach, then the death of Jesus is of little benefit to you on this earth. He didn't die so you would live in, in, in poverty and shame. Died so you'd have life and life abundantly. If anybody ought to have abundant life, it ought to be a Christian. All right. I, I think. Regardless of your past, I still believe in you. Be fearless, you're not trash. I have come to live inside of you. That was a prophecy God gave to, to T.L. Osborne. Regardless of your past, I still believe in you. Be fearless, you're not trash. I have come to live in you. Now look at this, Psalm, Psalm 37.4. Pop it on the screen. I don't have time to do this. We've got to delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you what? Desires of your heart. Let's look at another one. Are you all ready? Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing. He ain't talking about spiritual. Say, he's talking about cars. He's talking about houses. And Lisa knows he's talking about diamond rings. No. <laughs> 
No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Do you know why? He wants the world to get jealous. Now, let's go back to me for a minute. What kind of testimony do you think it was to God for me to drive up in a brand new Toyota four-wheel drive at a construction site? And they said, are you doing drugs? I said, I'm running drugs. I'm tithing. And they know I'm a Christian. I preach the gospel all the time. And they're, they're amazed because they're looking and going, we, we work the same job you work. We make the same money you make. How are you doing this? I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. And their brain's going, nah. And I said, listen, God is a good God. I'm telling you, he's a good God. Now, he'll love you. He'll take care of you. He takes care of me. No good, will, no good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. My God meets all of mine. Yeah, but a new truck. Yeah, new truck. If I, ever, if I did something tonight, I, I pray that I got you to thinking. Think about this. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. Why? Why did he, ask, why did he tell you to ask if he's not going to do it? Why did he tell you to seek it and then go, I was teasing. I ain't giving that to you. Why did he tell you to knock knowing he's not opening the door? He wouldn't do that. Is your asking and is your seeking a requirement to entering into what he has? So is it wrong to ask, seek, and knock? It's not. I mean, you have to get over being religious to believe what I'm preaching. Because you walk out and go, man, he is into coveting now. Nah. You can covet and be broke. Someone says, well, you're money-minded. Rich people aren't money-minded. They don't even think about it. I got a few things I wrote down here. Our lives are too much like a pinball game. All that is is somebody banging us from one thing to another. We spend too much time trying to change our circumstances rather than our thoughts in order to reduce stress. Why don't you change the way you think? Why don't you think on good things, even though things aren't going so well? Why don't you choose th- thinking on what's true, what's lovely, what's a good report? It, it, why is it that the circumstances are dictating your thought life to you? Why'd you stop dreaming? Because problems hit you. I've done it. I have one here called Slow Down and Smell the Coffee. Amen. We say we don't have time, but we're the ones that are filling our schedules. Why is it easier to remember the bad about someone and forget the good? Now let's read another one here. I got, a, I got time. I got, I'm going to burn up every bit of it I can. So, um, I got a story I got, I got to read to y'all. You ready? Out on the western plains of America, a new immigrant family arrived in town, and they halted their wagon by a farmer's house and asked, what kind of people live around here? The old farmer said, well, newcomer, what kind of people lived in the old country where you came from? Oh, the immigrant replied, it was terrible. 
Air crooks and liars, deceivers, dishonest people are everywhere. Businessmen, crooked officials were worse. That's why we left to find a new world. Well, the farmer said, I expect that's the kind of people you're going to find around here too. The next day, another load of immigrants arrived and stopped talk with the farmer. And they wanted to know what kind of people and settle in the area. And the wise old farmer said, well, newcomer, what kind of people live in the old country where you came from? Oh, the immigrant replied, it was a fine land, fine neighbors. Our merchants were honorable. Our people cared for each other. It was hard to leave them. We thought we could bring some of the good out west and help those of this new nation. Well, sir, said the farmer, you're going to find, you're going to be mighty happy here. You're going to find the same kind of people here you left behind. I'm going to prophesy to some of y'all. You leave this church, and you're going to find the problem is in your mirror. Right. Amen. Yes. That's true. Yes. Do you understand that? Right. You want to change something, change yourself. Right. Because Jesus called you to serve, yes. and servant you're not. I had a problem with the people in this church when I first came. But guess where the problem was? It was me. And God used it to grow me up. And now I have found out I pretty much am finding what I'm looking for. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. I used to didn't like me. Well, nobody else did either. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because the more you don't like yourself, the more everybody around you don't like you. And then you just find out they don't like me and I don't like them because they don't like me. And, and, and I need to find another church to pastor. What happens when all of a sudden you get a new vision of the people you're around? And you start going, well, I don't I like that old guy. I like that Paul guy. He, he's, and I, I like, I like, I like this guy. And I like you. And I like Crystal. And I love art. And I love Bob. Bob's a hoot. If you don't know that Bob knows the Bible, you don't know Bob. Bob is Bible man. Man, he knows. He should be. He, I, I should get him to preach one day. But it's amazing to me when my outlook or my thoughts change how much everything around me began to change. You can see the bad and you can see the good. I'm going to tell you one more story. I got one minute. It was an old two buckets and a whale. One bucket, sad. He's crying. I cried all the time. Just cried. <laughs> Every time I come up, they send me back down. Other bucket's always happy. He said, you know, I just, I don't know why you're always so, you know, bent out of shape. Every time I go down, I know I'm coming back up. Wow. Same well. Attitude. What, what, what are you thinking about? Did you know you can choose right now to say tomorrow, I'm going to wake up and just think some good stuff. I'm going to think about my redemption. I'm going to think about the blood. I'm going to think about Jesus. I'm going to think about the good things in my spouse. I'm going to look for the good in Lisa. And I'm going to start looking for the good in that property we live at and that house that I'm building. And <laughs> Amen. There's no sense in whining about it. Amen. Now, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you dared sit down and dream 
and start thinking. I mean, really get out there and go, you know what? My, my, next year is going to be a great year. That's why I said I started writing the book. I started dreaming again. I've been wanting to do that for years. Just never did it. Every time I'd start something, when something, circumstance, finally I just said, begin. So some of my sermon came out of me. I just woke up and said, every morning is going to be great. I'm going to smell the coffee. I'm going to enjoy my day. I'm going to look for the good. Thank God for the good. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I just, I just kind of made myself go back, pick up some old books and read them. I thought, you know, this is so good. It's helping me. I think I'll preach it. Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever you desire. Don't ever think that you haven't a desire for better. It's not something God needs in your prayer. He, you've, if you don't put that in there, you can forget the rest of it working. Amen? Are you all ready? Because I'm going to close in prayer. Paul, you ready for me to pray? Yes, sir. All right. Father God, thank you for the men and women and young men and ladies in this church. And I will give you glory and honor for every single one of them. Thank you, sir, for the people who come here. Thank you for the youth that are going off to camp. Now, Father God, I've got a vision to see teenagers on fire for God all the time. And I'm starting to see it in this church. It's, it's, it's almost like there's a fire that's been brewing lately. I've walked in there and watched them in their worship and watched them worshiping God. Father, I'm seeing the children. I'm seeing the, something changing over there. And they're starting to get on fire for God. And I'm starting to watch the, the adults starting to come back to their first love. And Father, I give you praise and honor and glory for everything that you are doing in this place and the people in this church in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.